Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On the microphones, pure and uncensored American straight talk. Never quit. You're locked and loaded with Chris Peranto and Ian Scotto. This is the Battle Line Podcast. I have I'm no here. idea how it works. Can you hear me? Gotcha, gotcha, lumpy chicken. How are you doing? I'm good. Chup, chup, just chuppy. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me off guard. I, got, I don't know smart ice comeback, damn it. <laughs> ah, fuck. I, I fucked up. Let's try that again. Hang up on me and call me. Okay, Johnny, 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 no, hang no, up no. and get him no, back. Kid, stay there. Stay there. Ian, will, Ian will have chickens if we do that. Just, just, let's just go with it. If go we're recording, it. should we actually start the podcast? With oh that? fuck yeah, dude! <laughs> just fucking words and all, man. You got me on here. It's gonna get fucking weird. Fast. Yeah, we're recording, so we're and, coming uh, in and, hot. And Chris, I got to apologize ahead of time. Uh, uh, what? Ian was Ian was telling me that you you got a fundamental Christian audience, and I'm going to talk about you know doing coke and banging hookers. <laughs> oh and- no, no, we're, no, we're no. Are you kidding me? I, the ones that follow me. No, they, I'm not a, I, dude, this is, I've, I, it's like my eighth guardian angel, dude. They all fucking quit on me. Every one of them goes to God and be like, dude, how did you give me this piece of shit? I can't handle him. We need, I need somebody else. So, dude, what, no. are you ta- what are you talking about? God, God likes the most <laughs> fucked up people the most. Everybody else is boring. Oh, dude, that's what makes life just worth living, brother. It's a roller coaster, bro. No, I, are you kidding me? What people, we, we I, I piss off people left and right and that's just how it is. So. It's no big deal, man. I, I, don't, I don't even mind. try to. I'm just fucking real, and they don't like it, and I don't care. Well, I, I that's when you know what. Dude, you don't get any more real than going on Fox News in the morning and tell telling the world you're going to choke out the former President Obama because he's calling the gods a conspiracy. I don't know how much more real than that you can get. And then then people get on get on your ass for 
Well, yeah. Why did you say that? Well, he was lying. What do we want me to do? I, I you asked me the question, Pete. So with that, I am going to at least introduce <laughs> our guest, who's in front oh, wait, of me. We haven't introduced him yet. Yeah, I'm sorry, we, they don't know who he is yet. I'm being, a, I'm being a total. No, it's all sorry. good. So, so Steve Ralston. <laughs> this is a cool shit anyway, Chris. Don't fucking worry about it. <laughs> Steve Ralston, uh, military career from 1990 to 1998, served in SEAL Team, SEAL Team 3 from 1998. 88 to 98, but close. I'm, I looked at your own LinkedIn, I think. Well, that's that's where you made a mistake. Well, they have social media. Do, do we need, 80, do we need I was to in from more? 88 to 98. 88 to 98 right. then. SEAL Team 3 from 94 to 98. Right. And, uh, I, SCV 1, 1994. And with that, I should say, unlike our last guest, General Tata, I'm going to suspect that Chris... <laughs> Chris is not going to refer to you as a cake eater. Probably not. Similar, but your situation starts as a toddler, <laughs> right? It's, I mean, it's a crazy story that I think this audience would really well, benefit what he's, from. What he's, what he's talking about, Chris, is I was, uh, I, and this is all shit I found out later in life. I found out I'm what forty nine now, so I found out when I was forty five that I'm actually a product of a fucking rape. Wow. Right. Holy wow. Yeah, so okay. I found that out four four ish, maybe five years ago now. I'm not a hundred percent certain <clears throat> on the date. So what happened was in in my mother obviously, you know, so you're you get you get assault you get assaulted, you deal with that trauma and that horror every time you see this little primate that you've given birth to, right? Man, your mom's tough. Well, wow, she she's a she's a tough, tough lady. God so she dang. so she farmed me out wherever she could and one one period of my life, I was living with my uncles who were, you know, let's just call them motorcycle enthusiasts and uh, <laughs> okay. entrepreneurs. Well, they were drug dealers and gun runners, right? So yeah, one day, yeah, yeah. my cousin and I are cruising around inside the house playing cowboys and Indians. And I pick up a rifle and I point it at him and I squeeze the trigger and a, and a 22 short rounds hits him in the head. It doesn't, it doesn't kill him right away. It bounces around inside of his skull and turns off most everything. So uh, yep. my uncle comes in and he goes, why the fuck did you have to shoot him in the head? And then grabs him and we throw him in the back of his Cadillac and we drive to the to the uh, hospital and all that stuff. But uh, see, that lesson, to, to have that lesson when you're nine years old, that's a, that's wow. a pretty, that's a pretty solemn deal. That, that brother, you, you, I, I you know, get, getting that lesson I, I, when I you're, when you're 20 something, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Man, no, I really just, don't. I'm speechless. Wow. <laughs> no, I'd, well, it is what it is, man. But, you know, to have that lesson when you're in your 20s, when somebody's shooting at you and then you got to turn them off like that, that's a different deal. Or sometimes yeah. you don't even see the person. You just see the rifle going off or you just yep. see or you just see the the uh, muzzle flash or whatever. Yeah. But to have that lesson at nine years old, that, instil- that-, that puts a few things in your mind, you know. What, 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 tell me, I, I want to know, I know people want to know out there, I, I want to know, what, what does it put, because you're, you're close proximity, you're at that age, do you even remember it, dude? I mean, or I, is it kind of just a blur, I've, or do you really fit, really, or just the feeling, just well, you remember know, the feeling? Well, feelings. you know, you know exactly, you remember the first one, I remember every single fucking yeah. nanosecond of it, like it just <laughs> happened before I walked in this room. You know, the, and I've, I've been, um, lucky or unlucky, I don't know what you call it, but I've, I've participated in some violence in the yeah. course of my existence, but that's the only piece that I remember in, incredibly vividly, I remember what the... What was yeah. going on in the room? What the room smelled like? What the what the floor looked like? All that stuff. Everything else is kind of a blur. Just kind of activity, like you remember expressions and you know yeah. shit like that. But 
But that's the only thing that I remember every single nanosecond of. Yeah, and that's I, I always get worried when I ask somebody a question, like, and they say, "Well, I, I, it was kind of all blur. I don't remember it." Ah, did, that's not true. Did you, did, the, did you really the, do it? I, you know, you you do remember that. That's the first. That's the when, first one you, you remember every single second of it. Every second. This. And if you say you don't, you're lying. You're lying. Yeah, do smells. That's that's why it's so hard to come back and. Just be civilian. Well, that's and, that's and the I'm worst because you smell. You don't know when you're going to smell something that's going to send you fucking it, back there. And then you start sweating does, and shit. And you're like, what the fuck? You know what, the brother? You, what I is that, and I look at it as a positive. You got to experience, as, as atrocious as may people, some people may think it is, you got to experience that. I, I enjoy I get to experience it, man. Who gets mm-hmm. to experience things like that? Whether it's awful or good or bad. The experience is what we live for. If you want to live bland and live vanilla for your whole life, live vanilla for I your have life. Zero, you're afraid to zero interest in that. One thing you said, I heard you speak one time at the New York Athletic Club, and you talked about yeah, when you're yeah, under fire and everything's going on. You don't get it. Your, your, your senses are so heightened that the volume is turned up on everything. The colors are louder. The, the colors are more yes. brilliant. The tastes are more brilliant. <laughs> everything is louder. I, that experience from you as a kid, I think for a lot of people could have broke them. I yeah, just want to know did, what made it, what drove you to join the SEALs from that all those years later? Well, what happened was it, because I was in that environment, well, and if you can imagine, it instills such a, such a phenomenal sense of self-loathing. You know, I, I absolutely despised who I was as a human. So I started selling marijuana at 10. I started selling cocaine and pills at 12. So I, of course, had that entrepreneurial zeal going on. So I did that from till I was my senior year in high school. I was 17 years old. I was doing all the stuff that bad kids do. And then some people that I was running around with got hurt and some people went away and yeah. That kind of shit. So what I did was I found the hardest special forces that the American military had to offer. Okay, well, there you're going. You're cro- okay. We talking about everything. You just crossed the line. We're fighting now. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, talking talking purely about attrition rates now, Chris. Purely about attrition uh, rates. Uh, that's all right. Now we're good. So I went into, uh, I went to the, the uh, map station. Took all the tests, but I had to. I took my ass fab. Pardon me. I had taken my ass fab in school, but I was still doing drugs and still a dickhead, right? So I just made like a bunch of designs and shit. And then the the, the recruiter was like, you're going to have to retake your ass fab. So I went down and I retook my ass fab and I scored so high on it, they thought they thought that I cheated. So I had to come back the next day and retake it again. I got even a higher score the next day. So after doing that, they were like, okay, we, we want you to take these other tests. They want me to go into nuclear submarines and shit for the Navy. And then, so they brought out – I was like, look, I don't want to do that. I'm signing up specifically to be a SEAL. I'm signing up on a dive fair program. That's what I'm interested in. We're like, okay, we, we hear you, but just try this. So they brought out these other tests, and they you know they brought out the mathematic tools like the slide rule and this other horse shit. I'm like, what? why are you bringing me this shit? I have no idea what this stuff even is. And then they brought out the calipers. I'm like, is there like a fly in this fucking room or something? What we're gonna do some some karate kid stuff? What am I gonna do with this deal? <laughs> so I told him, I was like, look, I have zero training as far as this material is concerned, so I'm just gonna fail it. So anyway, I failed it miserably. And then I went to the Navy, I went to Buds, all that's pretty pretty boring. And it's just good stuff. Just what, good training. But no, it's good training. I went there in nineteen nineteen eighty nine. 
Friday. Damn, I was in junior high, yeah. dickhead. I was and in junior high, dickhead. That's, that's right. a movie quote, everybody. You oh, yeah, which one? Which movie? Uh, Die Hard. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Die Hard. That's, that's the, we're right. Christmas time. It's Die that's Hard. A, it, it's holiday not, season. It's not Christmas time until Hans Gruber falls off Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> I was a junior high dickhead. That's just like back in Nam. Oh, that's right. Dickhead. I remember. Uh, okay. Did you serve in three with any guys that we would know, like from the community or relatively low key guys? Uh, I'll re- uh, relatively Wait, guys Bob- that are still that are still busy. As uh, as older guys, but working for for different companies. You you so. left before Glenn got before Doherty got over there, right? I Bob left there in ninety eight. I left there in yeah, August of ninety eight. Yeah. And I think okay. I I think I did. I knew he, he, Glenn through uh, through Brandon. Yeah, and then okay. uh, there's another guy named Clint Emerson. I knew Emerson. Clint's a great no. guy. He is yeah, a really great yep. guy. Good dude. Super okay. good dude. Can't say enough good things about him. And then I got out in ninety eight. And then the whole time I was in the teams, I drank and I used drugs the entire time. And everybody knew it. They just kind of kind of looked the other way. They pretended it wasn't going on because it was just a different community back then. When it was time to go do whatever we needed to do, I could perform. Yeah. So they were just, you, you know, Ralston's going to go out and get drunk. He's going to get in a fight, going to wreck a car. So we just covered up. Just keep doing what you're doing. So I got out in 98, started a commercial real estate company, and I was – I was um, I was married to a woman, a horrible woman, turned to find out later, but she was incredibly well-connected. She had the best family you can imagine, just the best people. So uh, for whatever reason, I got married. It was a terrible decision. I have three great daughters, but got married for all the wrong reasons, and then I started generating a bunch of wealth, buying a bunch of buildings for for super wealthy people and managing those buildings correctly, and I started started – Getting all that stuff that you're supposed to have to make you happy. I had the money. I had the houses. I had the cars. I had all that shit. Uh, and I was still, yeah. still consumed with self-centered fear and insecurity because I had this thing, this piece of – that piece of self-pity. If only you knew this. If only you knew that I had accidentally killed my yeah. cousin, then there's no way that you could like me or love me or whatever the fuck I thought you should be thinking about you're me. Feeling sorry. You're still feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, After exactly. All that, you're, try- you're trying to overcompensate with – yeah, I get, I get you, man. Well, because I'm a little dude. I'm like 5'8". I'm probably 180 pounds now. But back then, 5'8", 160, soaking wet. And you know how it is. You volunteer for every single thing, hoping that you're going to get killed or whatever the hell. And it doesn't happen, and you're even angrier. Because you, cause you, I, I get you, man. You buy into that. And I, I do believe in heaven. I do. But right? I, I don't like that Valhalla Hey, we're all going to meet in Valhalla type shit sayings. I, I don't, I don't like that anymore. That's, and I used to buy into that shit. I really did. Um, but no, I, I got you, brother. I, I got you. I, I'm the same as you. I'm five nine, 160 pounds. I've always been that, even except after range school, I was 130. Well, of course. So I'm, I'm like you're on the guy. army, on the army, hung, 72 day hunger strike, man. I get it. I get it. It is. It, yeah, it's it's terrible. But get, keep going. Keep, keep going. Keep going, man. Because I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Keep going. So anyway, we went, uh, I was, comp- but uh, in the military, I had a, I obviously had a drug and alcohol problem. But when I got out of the military, I, because you have all that stuff, I, I developed a serious drug and alcohol problem. At the very end, I was, pr- I was doing anywhere between three and six grams of cocaine every day, wow. drinking a liter of vodka and taking anywhere between six and 12 Vicodin. And I was chewing them up. Just so I could continue to bounce off the guardrails, you know, because I had yeah. this, 
this uh, completely consumed with self-centered fear. And then we went, obviously we were attacked. And then when we got attacked, because I'd only been out for three years, I got some telephone calls because I was an Arab speaker. I had done a couple things, been a few places. I actually wasn't even aware of that, by the way, that that you spoke Arab. Yeah. Uh, They actually sent me to the Berlitz language course for six months. I went there to a nondescript uh, building in San Diego and spent Mm -hmm. 10 hours a day for six months learning Arabic. Mm. So... They, they, of course, called me, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? And I was completely addicted to drugs and alcohol. I was probably 190 pounds, all puffed up and just completely <laughs> fucked up. So then I spiraled out of control. And then I woke up after a five-day blackout in East Vegas, in a Howard Johnson's in East Vegas. And I had uh, too much cocaine, too much money. I had an extra pistol. I had a bunch of pot and a bunch of pills, and I had like a bunch of six out of a out of from one to ten. I had a bunch of about a bunch of five and six prostitutes in the room, like four or five of them. It's like yeah, a, like a sweet. So I paid everybody off, and I I still remember the sound that that lump of cocaine made with that kaplunk that it made when it went in the toilet. So I paid everybody <laughs> off, kicked them out of the room, and then I called my wife at the time. I said, "Hey, I know you probably don't care, but I'm alive." And I'm in Vegas. So my former brother-in-law was my doctor. So I got a hold of him and I told him, I said, hey, man, I am completely addicted to cocaine and alcohol. So I came back. I found – I signed the found persons report, which is embarrassing as shit, especially when you know all the cops in Coronado. I mean this is – one of the fucking admirals was at my wedding and shit. I was as connected as you can be. Especially in a little town like Coronado. So I did that stuff, went to the hospital, and I was in a hospital for like five days. And then when I was in the hospital, the, the second day, my, uh, my doctor said, hey, there's somebody I want you to meet. And, you know, I was still strapped to the bed because I was whacked out and yeah. I didn't know what was going to yeah. go down. Oh, yeah. So they said, I want to introduce you to the toxicologist. I'm like, okay. So he brings him in and he goes, I just wanted to meet you. I'm like, yeah, well, why the fuck's that? And he said, well, because you had twice the lethal limit of cocaine and barbiturates in your system. And there's absolutely no way you should be alive. So I just wanted to meet you. I was like, okay. <laughs> you want so yeah, you you to take the straps you? off now? <laughs> so, so did, what you, he was like a zoo animal? Like, yeah, exactly. Like a nature? It's, so, hey, it's so crazy, hey, by the way, is, that, you, the, that you could laugh about country. this now. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's just oh. funny. It's just it's just so insane that it's funny. You, you know, it's, it's – well, when you realize all that happened, man, and done, and you moved on, what, what happened? Because I – you're here. You're still doing great things. Well, what happened? And I, what I like people to know is on this, is especially guys like yourself or guys like myself that go through issues. You went through a hell of a lot, brother. Hell of a lot before, outside the military than I ever did. I had a great. I had a very good upbringing, which was my good. base. Um, but how did you overcome, man? I mean, that, well, that's what, what happened. These guys need to know. They, how do they? How do you get through that then? Well, what it was funny because they still kept me strapped down. I was in five point restraints. So you know, my ankles, my knees, my hips. My elbows, wrists, and neck. And then they kept me strapped down for two days just for obvious reasons. And then uh, I went away. They sent me away to a rehab. And when I was in rehab, they had this giant nurse with me. 
just a just a big, you know, like a six four, two hundred and eighty pound black. She, dude. she was Nurse Ratchet on steroids. Basically. No, she, this cat would have fucked me up. His name was his his name was Lewis, and he's and he. They actually had him stay with me for the first. They put me in a facility. I was in there for forty five days. I actually signed up for it and all that stuff because I knew I had a drug problem. I I knew that I was horribly addicted to cocaine and pills and everything else. So I went in there. The, Lewis stayed with me for two days, or pardon me, two weeks. And then when I he got out, and then I started itching for cocaine again. So in my infinite wisdom, I had hired two cocaine dealers that worked for me in my real estate company. So I called them up, and I had them bring coke to me. Yeah, I and you threatened wow. one of them. I, right? I did, and this and these guys are are uh, Mexican mob guys. Yeah, and yep, they yep. knew who I was and all that other kind of stuff. Didn't you basically say, you know, I, when I get I out of here, him, I'll kill you? I, I told him, I, I called his name's Freddie. I'm not going to say his last name, but hopefully he's still alive. I called him up and I said, Freddie, I need you to bring me an Oscar, you know, which is you know, slang for yep, an ounce, yep. 28 grams of cocaine. And he's like, boss, you're in the hospital. And I said, I know where the fuck I'm at, Freddie. I need you to bring me some yo. And he's like, no, nah, man, I can't. You're in the hospital. And I said, Freddie, you know me. I'll come to your house. And I'll fucking kill you, and I'll burn your house down. And he's like, all right, man, I'll be there in 30 minutes. So Brett Freddie brought me an ounce of cocaine when I was in, in rehab, and I was a little bit pissed about it because I can only do about a gram a day. <laughs> and they would start, because they would start seeing because I'd be all jacked sure. up, right? Yeah. But I was paying for it. I was paying for the for the rehab, so they kind of pretended it didn't happen. But it well, Why even go to the rehab at that point? I mean, it wasn't court-mandated, right? Oh, no, it wasn't court-mandated, but I wanted to straighten myself up. But this was the best I could do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was in rehab, and I was still doing drugs because I still had this self-centered fear. I still hadn't told anybody my secret, you know, my horrible little secret. Steve got his fucking first confirmed kill at nine years old, so therefore he should hate himself. Mm. That's what I was carrying around with me. Yeah. And then there's that's, the drug bro, dealer that's, and the violence and all the other shit that I participated in as a kid. And when I was a kid, it was like you didn't you didn't get yelled at. You got punched in the face. That's what happened. You fucked up. You got punched in the face. I got some rocks to my. I was. How come I? I wish I got punched. Why does somebody get rocks to my head? That's where I always got. <laughs> damn rock in my head. Not, not that I, I have rocks in my head anyway. But gosh, dang, I'm just getting a rock upside the head all the time, and I guy would run off right like, damn it dude no i was talking no, about I, I was talking about at the dinner table and stuff I was oh talking about no, you, you're, no, no you you i wasn't yeah, i was man. talking about with my uh interactions with adults which and you're you dude you went through a lot man it was a you did it was you a did. different deal it was a different environment that's for sure uh different different anybody i said i i was blessed i had a I, that's what saved me is i had a good living environment i but you know what is that you still were trying? Even even people say, "Oh, he failed. He he still failed when he was in rehab. He's still doing coke." I, I say, "No, well, he's the one that made the decision to go in there. He's the one that's trying to do it." You he still, but he it wasn't until years later where you really did well, say, "I'm done." Like, well, it was like uh, I went in in October of zero one September. Yeah, October zero one because I melted down right about a month after because I got the telephone calls to go back and I was absolutely fucking useless. There's nothing I could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I went to rehab and then actually March of 2002 is when I got sober. So and, like and a couple really of five, sober. You know, it's not sober for real sober. Like, how I'm did you doing, make that decision after going to a rehab where you have cocaine delivered to you to say I'm really doing it? This well, time. I I realized that I was completely 
and totally controlled by drugs and alcohol. I I couldn't not drink. I couldn't not do drugs. And then I just I realized that just this isn't going to work. So what happened is I started participating in a couple anonymous organizations. And I'm not going to say what their names are because it's just kind of anonymous, a level. Yeah. Yeah, it's a level plus press radio and film, and they ask you to keep that shit to yeah. yourself. So I did. I started doing the work in those programs, and little by little, step by step, I started getting better. And then I started contracting in zero three. So I started taking a project here, started taking a project there. And the whole time I was going back and forth doing what I was doing, and I was staying sober. And, you know, part, doing doing whatever the hell was requested at the time, but yeah. still staying sober. You know, down in, down in Central and South America, dealing with yeah. um, large quantities of cocaine and things of that nature, but still staying sober. So as I got out, pardon me, as... And I, I did that up until 2010, and then I got divorced, and I left. This was all happening in San Diego. Then I left San Diego, then I moved to Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta for a period of years, and then I moved out here to uh, to Manhattan, and now I live in Manhattan, and I'm still doing the same thing. I'll still take a couple, two, three, five contracts a year, depending on where and when and who's going to be available and what's happening. But I, I still do that. I still reach out to individuals. I still I still work with people, and it's... And I'm not saying I'm be- I'm greater than or less than anyone. I'm just another hairless fucking talking monkey trying to do the deal, you know. <laughs> it, but it, the reality it, is, I've been a couple places, done a couple things, and I've been beaten up enough to know what it takes to do certain stuff. I I have skin in the game, and when I'm talking to people about not killing themselves, about not trying to suck start your pistol in the shower at three o'clock in the morning, because I've been there. Yeah, I. I've been, I, you, that's the only way you can, but, and you found a way to, you found a way to do it. People, I, I, people may say that thing, what I see that first step that you took going into the rehab mm-hmm. and even falling back on cocaine to me, to cocaine a little bit. I still see that as that's the beginning of the success right there because he decided to change. Yes, he failed, but now he looks back at it and like, holy crap. But I was really, it, was really it a do fit? have a fucking problem because I was doing cocaine while I was in rehab. Holy shit, I really got to get myself. I'm going to have to knuckle down even more and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to knuckle down even more and even work harder to fit, to to beat this. And you found a way, man. That's that's incredible well, and to me. The thing is, and I'm the last person to the only thing I have to say about religion is if your religion tells you to kill somebody else, then you need to start with yourself. But as far as giving anybody a hard time about the religion, I'm the last person to do that. Yeah. It's just not I'm just not that guy. But I can I can tell you, if it wasn't for my relationship with a God of my understanding, what God looks like to me, and whether that's just doing the next right thing or doing what you can to help other people or whatever, whatever that looks like to you. You know, we all get stuck that, especially in Western society, that success is supposed to look like this. A man's supposed to yeah. look like a Calvin Klein underwear model and that kind of bullshit. You know, or you're supposed to Fight be like... Fight where they talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> or you're supposed to be John Wayne or you're not supposed to have any yeah. particular emotional response to anything. Or unless you're... We get convinced that we're not good enough. You know, our dick's not big enough. Our house isn't big enough. Our bank account's not big enough. Our yeah. car's not big enough. We get convinced of all this shit, and we don't realize that that's all nonsense. That's all, that's all bullshit so they can fuel an economic engine. Where the real juice is, as humans, is what can I do to help you? Yeah. It's always what getting can back. I, I, what can I, I do to help you? And that's it. 
and that's that's all it has to be. That's all, you, it doesn't matter whatever material stuff you had. And you you basically said that the whole podcast. Really, it really has. I hope people catch that. The material if they can materialism, get over the fucks and the nonsense, have, they will. <laughs> and, and you know what I should throw into that story because you, you haven't mentioned it, but I mean it's a big part of that story that? is that you you years later now have a great relationship with your children. Oh, oh it, well, God. when I first when I first left my wife, and I see because I left her in. I'm not trying to orally inflate myself. The the company had a pre tax estimate north of two hundred fifty million dollars. She had wow. everything that you can possibly have to to succeed, right? She had a giant family, all that stuff. So I left. I left my kids with her, which is a terrible mistake. I should have taken her to court and beat her up and got a bunch of money out of it and all that stuff. But I didn't do it. And let's be clear, not beat her up physically. Not physically. Yeah, I, we, I'm, talking, you know, I'm talking about so in court. Sad, it's it, so anybody... sad that we actually have to preclude that. In today's society, we actually have to say that. That's just ridiculous. Well, see, but the situation but... is – you if uh, – the 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 men that I hang out with it would never even occur to me to hit a woman. Of course, yeah. don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. If, if say my girlfriend bangs my best friend, she might get an open hand slap, and then I'm going to leave. I'm going to beat him to death, <laughs> but she might get an open hand slap, and then I'm going to leave. Right? But he's getting fucking beat to death. But yeah. My, but my point is, <laughs> yeah. so now here we are, ten, ten, eleven years later from the divorce. And my daughters are telling me, how did you stay with that woman for that long? Because they can see how toxic she is, how yeah. sick she is, what's going on with her. But but my whole my whole point of that situation is I did I did what I thought was right at the time. And and people classify right or wrong and like we talked about earlier, if you don't have any skin in the game, then what are you even playing for? Yeah. You're not gonna and unless it hurts, unless it really hurts, you're not gonna learn. Like when you're making an investment in something, if you don't have any skin in the game, you're not really paying attention to what's going on. Sure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I I agree. I, and relationship wise too, right. I I, rec- I reconciled with my with my ex. Uh, probably best thing I ever did. I was in a very bad relationship for three years. That's what drove me to doing try. And luckily, I'm not very good at at suck starting a, a Glock. But I, good. third time, I, I yeah, I tried it again third. But it, I, I, I yeah. I, Guys out there, I know, I know it's this in the Me Too movement, and I agree. You don't touch, you don't hit women, you don't know, no, you don't do. But I've seen a lot of a lot of my buddies, and when I say a lot, a lot's being more than one to me. That is a lot, more than one of my buddies commit suicide because of a bad relationship. So don't, no, I, I hate to say that that it's only women that are that are that are get, that get picked on that are looked at. Because man, I've seen guys go off the deep end because of a toxic relationship and kill themselves. So I, I think it's both sides. And just talking to you here, it looks like it sounds like you were in one, but you found a way to get out of it. Well, I was I was thinking about killing myself just because of uh, depression fueled by drugs and alcohol. And sure, I want to sure. talk about the Me Too movement, right? In the front of the Me Too movement, there's a, there's a hashtag, right? Sure. Don't. Uh, right. Uh, what was, what was that? What pound, was that? 
What that, was that hashtag who, referred to prior? Who, to who thought? Being, who thought of that? I saw that too. Like it was I mean, a that's pound, the pound sign, That's right? the pound button. Oh what yeah. The- <laughs> so pound me too. I thought. That, I mean, I'm like, oh my come Lord, on, this. seriously, that's the best we can do. That's that's our best and brightest right there. <laughs> the, the, hey, I, whatever whatever floats their boat. I I don't I don't know all the twat and stuff, the twatting and the hashtagging and the Twitter Twitter bugs and I, you know, but it, that's because I saw you've that gotten too. kicked like, off Twitter saw, how many times? Donzo? <laughs> I I, know, I I got kicked off, but I, I you realize this podcast would be so that. much bigger. But Chris had this, getting kicked off Twitter. He had this amazing Twitter following that we could have promoted this out to. And, uh, yeah. Get, no. oh, I might get it back if you no, let me. Dude, if you let me just be. shut up. As soon as they find you have a podcast, they're gonna get back on. Don't worry about it, bro. You got uh, a freaking. I, I, you got I a great story. You've been involved in a bunch of great stuff. You're moving a football down the field consistently every day. You're doing the oh, right thanks, thing man. the right way, and you're not sitting here trying to orally inflate yourself and talk about how big your dick is or any of that kind of bullshit. You're trying to do the right thing the right way. That happens. Just, I, that's that's just being real, brother. Right. Just like you. That just just be. And I, that's why. Well, just why I tell Ian and that the, the you know special ops community they do get that for the most part. At least guys, good good dudes do. I would say, Ian, it's a marathon, dude. It's a marathon. It'll right. work out. And, It'll you know, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But let's just have fun doing it. And if we have fun, then we're a win. It's a win. But it just it's a marathon, dude. It's a marathon. Let's just and keep chugging along. They built Rome brick by brick. All day, yep. every day. Uh, all and day, every it. day. You yeah. got that right, brother. That's and, a bro. I had no idea. That's an amazing. To me, that's an amazing story. It is. And, that's why and, I brought and, Steve here. Wow. Well, that's just from because you were set up for failure. Sounds to me from the womb, man. And right? you have succeeded. And you and you've gone through hell. That's why people should listen to you. In, in terms of what you were saying, actually, with uh, building the podcast, it's actually true with your podcast in terms of its grown listeners. Over the past, what, like year and a half now? Yeah, over the past yeah, year and a half. I want, to talk, I want to talk about, man. I want to talk about bad, the bad monkey. Bad no, it's, monkey. It's soft, SOF, bad monkey. soft bad monkey. And, you know, I, I wish we talk about shit that we're interested in. We're we're just being genuine. It's just guys. We've had Mike Day on, Jason Redman. We've had Annie Jacobson, Haley Lawrence, Wes Whitlock, um, Pat McNamara. We have a bunch, a bunch of different people on, just a bunch of genuine individuals. And we oh, don't awesome. we don't do a whole bunch of editing. We don't ask people to to fit a certain criteria because my experience has been that the planet responds more to authenticity to people being who they are. For so sure. I don't I don't think anybody has to check a certain box for me to be happy, man. Everybody's you know everybody's on their own journey. It's just like. You be they're, who you are, and I'm cool with that. You know, and but that's that. That's the damn problem. Is most people aren't anymore. They right. they're they're always always faking the funk, even just going to get meeting them and to get coffee in the morning. They're not right. being themselves. How do I need to act? How do I need to hold myself? Yeah, I'm the, I, I'm the opposite I, of that, man. It's been my experience that fucking real recognizes real, and that's it. I think that's the only reason we've had any success. We've got uh, about a year and a half. We got about a million and a quarter listens and downloads, and we have that's people awesome. that follow us and people that show up to events that we're at and people that I've had individuals say, Hey, are you fucking uncle Steve? Cause they recognize, <laughs> cause they recognize my voice at a machine gun shoot. You, know? you got that Pennsylvania <laughs> accent. Yeah. Well, and, but the way I look at it is if I'm candid, I'm, I'm dirty. I got warts. I got tattoos. I'm, I'm politically incorrect. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say something. So somebody else feels less than, so I can feel greater than I'm not, yeah. I'm not in that deal, but but what I if I can say one thing 
to to and somebody hears it and it resonates with someone and they think, you know what, that guy got through it. Maybe I can get through it too. There maybe it is. I'm gonna That's reach out to my man. buddy. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna park my car at the end of the street and blow my fucking head off. I'm gonna reach out to Tano. I'm gonna reach out to Steve. I'm gonna reach out to Ian or whatever. Yeah. Some if I if somebody if I can say something and it resonates with one person and maybe one person doesn't kill themselves or one maybe one person reaches out to somebody else or you know you help someone when you have the opportunity to then that's enough. Yeah. That's and my my add to that is to those that that are thinking that and this is how I fix my myself and I had I had a ranger buddy do tough love he basically just said hey dude fix your effing self he said that's that's what got to my head it wasn't the hey are you gonna be okay hey it wasn't hey everything's gonna be all right you're, you're gonna get through this I, that didn't work with me it was ranger fix your effing self and that's when I'm like holy shit okay I am being a big pussy I need to fix myself. And that's what did it for me. So what I tell guys out there, if you're thinking about it and you like the, if you're, if you're enjoying the little, the the condolences or the, the, the empathy, enjoy it a little bit, but when it comes right down to it, the only person that can get you out of that funk is you. That's it. If you, if you aren't willing to do it and find a way to do it, it it doesn't matter how many people pat you on the back or say, or say the nice things to you or give you the sympathy it's not going to happen. You're going to just go down that road and it's just going to turn into something even worse. You have to look in the mirror and say, is this who I want to be? Is this who I want to be when Jesus comes, comes to see me? Is that Joe Dirt? I, I think it was. But <laughs> is this who I want to be for the rest of my life? And if you, if, if you say no, then you got to find a way to fix yourself. Nobody else is going to do it for you. Yeah. I, got a, I got a quick question for you, Chris. Did, did he tell you to fix yourself or did he tell you to unfuck yourself? Seriously, actually, he no. There's there's two ways. No, he actually did say he goes fix your fix your he goes fix your fucking self. Okay, because you need to fix your fuck self. Well, because I use yeah, I use the other, they're, they're, and I'm not I'm not trying to be funny. That's like yeah. a real thing. No, no, there there's especially no, there's with guys that, that have a fair amount of fair amount of time downrange and doing that business is very. It's uh, they won't waste words. Yeah. No, it it uh, was that, but I've I've heard that guys have told me to hey go, and that's usually on a mission where I'm I have my gear all jacked up. Hey, unfuck <laughs> your gear, dude. Guys out there, if you want to use the unfuck analogy and not the fix your fucking self analogy, then that's fine too. They both right. uh, they both are they mean the same very thing. Similar. And they both are very similar. Very similar translation. <laughs> so very thank you for adding that. I do appreciate that, Uncle Steve, because you're <laughs> spot on too. <laughs> with, with that, you can follow Steve on Instagram. Very active on Instagram at Ralston S T E R A L S T O N S T E, and of course Tonto's book, The Patriots Creed, is out now. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five star review. Helps us get visibility up. We've got some great guests on the horizon. Actually, before I got in studio, I was texting with Rob O'Neill. He's interested in coming on. So we'll definitely have some awesome guests as we move things along. And, uh, Steve, thanks for coming in, man. My pleasure. Appreciate it, bro. Hey, bro. Nice to meet you, too, brother. And, nice yeah, to meet you. I'm not joking. I will be reaching out to you about coming on. If, if you don't mind, man, I'd love to. You I'd know love I would. to have you on, bro. It's a, it's a, it'd be a pleasure for us and an honor.
That's all for this week's Battleline podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk, so make sure you're subscribed. And keep up with the show 24-7 on Facebook and Instagram at Badline Podcast. Also on Twitter at Badline Pod. As always, never quit.